Yeah, you are there. All right. Oh, I'm excited. So, uh, I guess we should start out by saying we're trying to be serious, because uh, I giggle about it. So, <laughs> tell, what, what was the note you sent me about uh, uh, you're, you DJ'd? What? <laughs> I feel like well, you unknowingly channeled your... Uh, your your inner uh, your inner Chucky there. Uh, yes, <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. I don't what I don't understand. I just don't get what's <laughs> happening. With your uh, you DJed a wedding? No, I DJed like a bar, like a nightclub. Oh, like Shaq. Yeah, DJ. <laughs> I got I got on the ones and twos and 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 spun a little bit. I don't know what that means. I know what I the got, spinning is the spinning some uh, records. Yeah, well, I don't do vinyl. I'm using oh. all industry talk on you, Frank. I what's mean, this, what? So what is it? I don't even know. I I know I know so little about DJing, unless you're a morning radio DJ. <laughs> no, man. I just uh, I I I always felt like, uh, especially when it comes to writing. You know, I'm I'm trying to write a new hour. Uh, that music turns on different parts of my of my brain. So I just got some turntables to just spin on and kind of play around with. Maybe like like a year ago. And then I got. Oh wait, I saw those in your uh, in your office there in your studio. And yes. uh, I attempted to make fun of you, but I didn't know enough about it to do so. <laughs> That's good. So, I like you. Your <laughs> ignorance prevented my feelings from being hurt. Yeah, well, I'll get there. Trust me. I'm finding out <laughs> I, I have more and more got, issues with that than I know. So, okay. <laughs> so I stood up there and I spun like three hours of music. And you, so you're, you, you have training in this? Or you just are natural? What's the... I, I kind of taught myself. I have friends that are DJs uh, that kind of helped me with some pointers, looked at some YouTube videos. But it's really just practice getting your uh, BPMs, your beats per minute, so I can make sure that, like, if I'm transitioning between what's a, f a song that you would know, which, I mean, it's a happy birthday at this point. I don't know what music you listen You're to. You're pretty close. Uh, <laughs> I was worried there was some type of hip-hop happy birthday I didn't know about for a second there. I'm uh, genuinely curious about this. What was the last song that you heard that you liked where you're like, you know what? I want that on my playlist. And does Frank have a playlist? Sip it on gin and juice. It's uh Yeah. Brandon no. just dropped. <laughs> I don't know. That's the closest I could come to something cool. Um I don't listen to music. I've never really listened to music. I'm a weirdo when it comes to that. I've always been a person who just wants to I and I couldn't tell you why. I mean, I guess I did go through a phase. Was your wedding song on a podcast? Uh, <laughs> they weren't around then, man. No, <laughs> they would have been. Uh, it, no, my wife picked all the music. I didn't really care. I liked, I liked basically jukebox classic rock. Uh, like okay, if you go back and Steve Miller Band and stuff like that, but all silly '80s songs too. Dexy's Midnight Runners, Come On Eileen, all these ridiculous songs like that. I like that kind of stuff. I couldn't even tell you why. My son listens to hardcore, hardcore rap, and I get I I don't uh, I don't understand any of it. And uh, in terms of why he enjoys it, because I mean he's listening to some older stuff too, right. um, and it's it's hard it's hardcore, and uh, that's what all his friends listen to. So. I uh, and some of the messages in there are not the greatest of messages. I don't, I don't even know if they could do some of those songs anymore. Um, You're saying they, stay in school and be good to your parents. Yeah, those that's that's really what it is. So g give me more about this DJing. I, so so you just the club knows you. You just you're a, you're a name. Yeah, it's a bar I used to go to uh, back when I used to get my drink on, as the kids say, Frank. Yeah, and so I'm still cool with the owner. And um, one day I I was literally walking past his bar and he had the garage up so I could see him. And I went in there and I haven't seen him in a while. And I was like, Hey man, I've been spinning. Would you mind if I came in here and, and, um, and practice a little bit, kind of like during happy hour from like six to nine. And he was like, sure. Uh -huh. So do they, they normally have a DJ or is this something added? They, they usually have a DJ at night. So they had a setup, but their DJ didn't get there till like 10 o'clock. So I didn't want anything to do with any people that were like really depending on me to make their Friday night dance dreams come right. through. Uh, so I wanted a low pressure people forced to sit at the bar and listen to somebody practice. And uh, so it's almost like uh, open mic comedy at that. That's point. It, no, it's that kind. Of, that's exactly what it was. Okay. It was an open mic DJing situation, but uh, it, it went well. Like people liked it. Right. Can, what do you? What screws up DJing? Like the songs don't mesh up together. Yeah, there's something called beats per minute, and so like when you, uh, it's called BPM, and and when you cue up a song, like let's say we were gonna put on. Steve Miller Band, and uh, give me your Steve Miller Band song. Uh, your favorite. 
the Space Cowboy. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, I like that. Oh, yeah, I love Space Space Cowboy. So that that would be maybe like a an eighty six beats per minute. Right. And so the next song that I have queued up, no matter, I would need a song that was, in my humble opinion, and I'm sure somebody's gonna write and tell me I'm wrong. I please write and tell me I'm wrong. I need help. But I would want to queue up a song within maybe five to ten beats per minute on either end of that eighty six. Okay. Just so when I transitioned, it wouldn't be like that hard transition where we went from that to like uh, the Macarena, where that would be like 140 beats per minute. It, you would need something that's kind of like along that. So like as that that bump bump, as we transitioned, it would transition seamlessly right. into into the next song. So I've heard people really that are, I, I've heard people like at weddings and stuff, because I'm obviously not at a club, I'm married and really uh, an old person. Uh, <laughs> an older gent. Yeah, really, it's, it's starting to become more and more apparent. So. Um, I have heard people who've made amazing transitions before and in music that I knew and a lot of the music I don't know. And this is most, I mean, it's not even like it's new music. I've never been a music person and people like Tom Griswold from Bob and Tom, who people don't know the radio show, Bob and Tom, huge all over the uh, the country, uh, especially in the Midwest. He always makes fun of me because the first concert I actually ever went to was the Wiggles for my kids. <laughs> Yeah, I've never been to, I, I just don't, I, I don't know anything about, I just, and I'm embarrassed by it. I guess I'm talking about it now, so I'm getting through it um, uh, therapeutically, apparently. But it's one of those things that I just wish, but I always uh, start to think more, uh, and, and I, I guess I should say, I start to, um, I just would rather think and about stuff than just wander off into music. I think people get use music to get away, which I think is great. And I right. wish I could, but I'm constantly trying to think of stuff. And you think like going to a concert would get in the way of you thinking about stuff? Well, no, no, no. I just mean music in general, like putting music on in the car. I just don't do it. I always put on people who are talking. And it's it's weird because where I do zone out, where like is playing Candy Crush or something like that, that that's I mean that's what I go into a zone when I hear when I when I do something like that. All right, now Frank, I, I want you to make a promise to our listeners without you hearing my request. Do you promise our listeners you're going to say yes to this? Absolutely not, but let's try. <laughs> I want you to go to a black nightclub with me. No, you know what? I'll do it, but I will <laughs> yes. feel I will be. I mean, I I, I don't know what'll be more awkward: uh, the, the the fact that I feel awkward or how much they notice that I'm awkward. Um, <laughs> no, I mean a lot of like you, you, you would just look like somebody's agent. <laughs> yeah, well, you know why not? They'd be like, oh, one of the Cardinals from the Falcons is in the bathroom. His agent sitting there in the VIP. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I would probably feel so out of place. But no, I, I, well, first of all, a lot, obviously, a lot of black dudes watch sports, so they know they would know you, right? So you get a lot of love. We might get some bottles sent over by some rappers. Little uh, some free bottle service. Yes, for At you. They know what turn that it is. Down and offend them. Oh uh, yeah, that no no no. I accept all and just let you. Well, you don't drink either. No. Yeah, it'll be all the ladies with you that are drinking. You know what? You know what was so interesting is my co-host uh, Sam uh, Shocker. She's very uh, beautiful uh, blonde. She said she paid off her student loans by uh, being a bottle service girl. Like the girl, and this is back before they put caps on it. So they would get like these big baller guys in there and not like rappers or athletes. She was like, uh, like, uh, those Saudi princes would come in yeah. and they, they didn't even drink, but they would get bottles and bottles of alcohol because they just had billions of dollars just so girls would come around. And she was like, she would have tables that would tip her 17 grand. Yeah, and I'm sure she reported all that for taxes. I'm sure she did. 100. Let me take let me take her government name off of this since Al's out here snitching. Yeah, yeah, right. We might have to put some beeps in there. Yes, Toledo. Yeah, oh, to be a pretty girl, you could just take care of everything. So, no uh, um, so you're you're gonna just do more DJing? That's gonna be I your think, thing. I think so, man. I kind of dug it, and it's it's like it's kind of a way for me to zone out because I I do love music. I love uh, different kinds of music. I love hip hop. Uh, I love uh, funk. I love Brazilian music. Uh, I don't even I like know what rock. that is. What's Brazilian music? Uh, a lot of drum and bass, okay. like heavy, heavy. But it's just like I can't under because it's in Portuguese. I can't understand what they're saying, but it just kind of <laughs> it's that feeling where you just I have this 
vision of like beautiful brown people dancing under the sun on the sand without a care in the world. I mm. really do have that vision just like for all the stuff that we're dealing with and you're like, oh, you know, my kid. And I'm like, oh, I got to send this email. Just they're just some people that are just like, let's have a bunch of rum and go dance tonight. It makes me happier to know that those people exist. Yeah. Sounds good to me. I'll take it. Yeah. You sound super excited. No, I just, I don't understand. (laughs) I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know enough about, I mean, I get it. I, uh, I just don't think I ever relax enough to, to enjoy stuff. I guess maybe that's the problem. Um, We got, we, I know we got to move, but like, what is the most relaxing thing that Frank Caliendo can do? Like your, what is, is it when, your wife takes the kids and your house is empty and you can just no, sit then on I'm, the couch. Then I'm doing something else. I just, I don't, I don't know. And I don't know I could, I could, it's a weird thing where I don't even know what, what I get done. I feel like I get nothing done and I feel like I'm constantly worried about stuff. So maybe I'm only thinking about things the entire time and never actually doing. So that might be part of the problem. I, I'm, I'm not really sure. So I'm going to start right. I got to start writing stuff down. I've been doing these other podcasts that, you know, guests on them, promoting our podcast and learning from other people. And I and so, just to see the level of organization some of these people have, Ed Milet, who I did his podcast, that's going to come out. He's a uh, the richest 50 under 50 in America. He's got a million Instagram followers that he got in, in three uh, years. Uh, it's unbelievable. He's uh you know got it was at his house doing his podcast uh and then uh pat mcafee which i just did recently and i want to get into that um his show the level of knowledge on social media these guys have and how they integrate it with their podcasts i'm i'm just blown joey diaz too like all these guys i'm learning from because i don't listen to a lot of podcasts i've listened to a lot of radio and and talkers on the radio but podcasts are very different and there's it's so much more free-flowing and you can just stay on a topic forever you don't have to worry about breaks and you can as long as you're interesting and real and that's a mcafee was if for people don't know who pat mcafee is he was a punter for the indianapolis colts and he, he's he, probably the, I'm not going to say probably because he, he would rightly get mad at me. The best punter in the league. And he's, he's a badass. I agree that, definitely. Yeah. Incredible. And, and then, and an entertainer, like, you know, some of these guys, some of the people I think, uh, in some sports and other things, they seem like entertainers and they're good with a single, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, soundbite that they're really good for like two or McAfee can talk forever and it's all good and interesting. And you want to hear cause he's coming from total reality. And, um, so I was doing his podcast and I didn't even know this. He told me afterward and it freaked me out. Cause he was one of these people that I, the first time I did his podcast, this was maybe a couple of years ago. I really genuinely thought he, you know, thought of him to be, a success and a, a pretty cool story that he would quit punting in the NFL to go do what he really wanted to do was, which uh, was entertain. And turns out, and he's going to be a guest on, you had talked to him before uh, yes. about coming on. And, yes. um, and I, I was there and asked him to, uh, if, if he would as well still, because I found out he, the first time I was on, he thought I was like the biggest jerk in the world. And I still, I still, and I, I would go back and listen, but I'm too embarrassed to even try and figure out what the situation was. Right. And I'm, I, I, I kind of waiting for him to come on and talk about it too, because I think it's just better than me guessing a lot of the time. But you know, you know how I am. I go in and I, I just start making fun of everybody and everything, and like I know people, and that can be a, that's been a problem for me a couple of mm. like a few times in my life. I just go in. And people, I see myself as like this regular-ish type of person overall. Yes, I, 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 I have plenty of money. I have, uh, I guess, I, and people are always telling me this. They're always like, "You're more famous than you know," and I'm like, "Well, yeah, you are." I, it, it doesn't get me. It, it, it's some. It's a certain level of fame where I have to pay more for my umbrella insurance policy. Uh, <laughs> but I don't feel like uh, I'm getting a free bottle service. I'm not a Saudi prince, so. I had, I like, he didn't tell me till afterward. He's like, yeah, I thought you were a real jerk the first time. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, you talked down to me the whole time. I was like, you have to come and tell me about this on our podcast. Cause I don't, I don't, I remember being in awe of everything he had, but I am kind of like this. 
I'm kind of a jerk at times. And it's not like a jerk on purpose. It's a jerk to get laughs. And, right. and when people don't know you that way, they, I think, and I, like I said, it's happened to me more than once. It happened to me with a network executive. Um, and that, that, uh, pigeonholed me for a while, uh, in, I believe in some aspects in Hollywood, it, and it happened with a radio guy who I really respected, just like Pat. And uh, he won't, won't have me on his radio show anymore. And uh, and it's happened with Pat. And he gave me another chance. And that was what was really cool after he's telling me I gave you this other chance. Because he, he's a big deal in social media. And I think he's beyond that, too. I mean, I, I think he's one of those guys, and we talked about it on his podcast, where his level of freedom and ability to do uh, just be himself and be honest is uh, blows up. And but it, it can hurt him in some in the network world, you know, because people are like, ah, you said this, you're doing that. And he's like, yeah, I deal with that some. But the whole thing comes back to I, I, I was somebody I totally respected that I went in. I was a jerk, apparently. And I didn't even know because I couldn't wait to get back on his show. And I'm thinking the whole day, it's like it devastated me afterward. I'm like, thank God you didn't tell me during I the show. You right after that. I, you were you were shaken up. And yeah. I mean, the. the First of all, a couple things I want to plug both of you guys for. First of all, shout out to Pat McAfee. He's the he is the homie. You, what you said is so perfect. Pat is always himself. I've yeah, and again, he has that because not only is he secure financially, but he's secure in his fan base who expect that from him. Um, you, you know, and you have those 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 same kinds of uh, of qualities as well. Uh, I think with the way that we interact with each other, it's like. We joke around, and the way we joke around is kind of like, I don't know if you ever like slap boxed or any with anybody in school, but you know, with 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 with, it's like playful boxing, joking around boxing, and inevitably, I've seen more real fights start from that yeah. because somebody messes around and throws a real punch, and everybody goes, "Ooh," and yeah. that, I don't think that you probably did that one thing, but I think you were probably joking around, and Pat was looking at what you were saying and they were just hitting his ear differently and yeah. you know that's happened to me frank so, because i'm like you guys know who i am i'm goofy i joke around i'm self-deprecating i'll attack you i'll make fun of like whatever you're doing i'll make jokes about your hair i'll i'll make jokes about the, something because i really secretly love it when people attack me right. and so i just say stuff to make them say something back and I think a lot of times in my case, and not a lot of times, but sometimes in both of our cases, you say something and you're like, Frank, come on, dude, you know, I'm just playing. But like, let's say I made a made a comment like, oh, Frank, it looks like those cheeks are getting a little chubby. Are you jogging? And you yeah. might kind of brush it off or whatever. But then you text me at the show like, hey, man, like, I'm, right. you know, I'm, I'm a little bit and not that you would get offended at that, but you just don't know what's a sore spot for somebody it's like somebody's gums you know there's always one part that you're like oh that's a little sore i'm gonna go to the dentist so yeah i don't know there's like there's i could see that but what i wanted to get to and what i wanted to applaud you guys for is the fact that you talked it out well that's what he said but i didn't even know there was a problem that's the right. thing it's like i didn't know and it's probably better he was very smart not to let me in on that because i would have groveled the whole time and been pathetic because i really did respect him going in and i think and maybe it was i mean he took it that way that it was completely disrespectful whatever i did and uh, listen I, I remember one thing i do remember going in is i went back after he'd already like uh shooed me out but and i don't i don't mean that in a negative connotation was, like it was, was, it, my, was it weird do you remember it being weird when you wrapped up that first podcast well, the only thing that was odd and it was all on it was 100 percent on me uh, that i can remember being even kind of odd and i thought he thought it was funny was after we were done with the segment, which was pretty, pretty fairly a pretty long segment, which is why I thought it went pretty well. I was going and I kind of went back into the room, which I'll do on I did on your show uh, on on yes. news television. I would do that, and I, I he probably saw that as completely disrespectful as not respecting his space, and I could see where I totally get that. In the news programs, I've done that a bunch of times. It's like totally breaking the rules, and they they. They think it's hilarious because nobody yeah, well, would like when you walk on the weather, the weather guys. Yeah, like, yeah. right. And, and, and like when I walked in on you guys doing your uh, little thing on green screen or whatever, and all of a sudden I was just there um, yeah. when on a show like that, maybe I, I don't know. I, I just I totally rubbed him the wrong way. And I'm really I, 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 I and I'd met him before that, too, which I, it just blew my mind. I had no idea uh, that he was this upset with me. And. 
the reality here's where here's the the really good stuff that came out because i was talking to him about how i sell a lot of tickets and i go on the road i do really well but he has fans that just love him rogan has fans that just love him a lot of these guys were so good and he gave me lessons and I'm trying to use them on Instagram, on the podcast about reality. And so many people that listen to me on the uh, on the McAfee show, on the Pat McAfee show, they they were I was getting more interaction from our podcast than I'd ever gotten before. Like people saying, "I'm listening now," and this is what I really love, and this is the stuff that uh, like they're saying when we're real. They're they're like when you guys talk real topics and you aren't playing it safe. That's when we really love you. And I said, "Well, here's the thing." When I was on the Pat McAfee show, and I went back and forth with a couple different people on this, and not like in a, in a negative way, I was, I was trying to say, yeah, we're trying. But we talk about some pretty, uh, pretty tough things. There I was talking about myself, basically, and working something out that I didn't even know I was working out with Pat. Well, we're going to talk about like a couple of the topics we'll hit today, or like we hit that kid in the, uh, the little kid in uh, doing the AOC impression last week, uh, or impersonation, or whatever you want to call it. They're, they're things we tread lightly on, or, you know, are a little more careful with because it is stuff that's that we're that's what we're trying to do is talk things through. Maybe I should not know what the problem is on a lot of stuff and I'll be more real like it was with with Pat. Um, but people were giving me a lot of feedback in terms of that. And uh, I got another one. I, I talked to a, a friend who uh, I went to school with her name, Sarah, and she she gave the same kind of feedback. It was interesting to see when we're the most real. When we are talking things out, when there's passion and really caring about what we're talking about, people want to hear more and more of that. And I've never been that before. I've never been the person who gives the little pieces of what I actually think. I've never thought it to be that important. But I guess when people start to, when they start to get to know you a little bit more, they want to hear from you. And I've never felt, I've never understood that before. I, I, and I talked to this, uh, with Pat, about, Pat with this, about this with Pat. That I've always lacked confidence, crazy amounts of confidence that I've lacked. My dad used to tell my dad who had all the confidence in the world. He didn't care what, you know, he didn't, my dad didn't comb the back of his hair because he didn't have to look at it. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, he's like, I'm like, you're the back of your hair looks like a duck. He's like, I don't have to see it. Like what that's. And I'm talking about him like he's passed away. He's not, he was, he was at a show this past week. And, uh, my, my, my aunt pulled a salad out of her purse. Uh, no, uh, yes. It's it's like Mary Poppins with roughage. It was the most ridiculous thing <laughs> I've ever seen, but that's where, that's where I'm coming from. And I started to feel some of it, but as I went on some of these other things on my let, which is more about a motivation and motivating yourself and going on Pat McAfee, I learned so much about myself and it was interesting because it was just a different take from other people outside. And I've been learning so much with you and but then we get trapped in a little bit of our own box you know what i mean we get used to talking about certain things and but when you hear more outside feedback it, it especially the things they like versus the things they don't like it helps you shape and and go that route and i think that's what social media and podcasts really do you you still want to do your own thing but it does help to hear what what people really like versus what they feel isn't as organic or genuine well, there's a line in that movie Mo Better Blues with uh, Wesley Snipes and uh, Hoosier, uh, Denzel Washington came out in I think 1990. It's about a a black jazz band, and uh, Spike Lee directed it. And um, Denzel and and Wesley are kind of butting heads about what kind of music they're gonna they're gonna play because they're watching the numbers of people showing up dwindling. <clears throat> and um, Wesley Snipes has this great line that he says to to Denzel where he says. If you play the shit that people like, the people will come. As simple as that. And when you start to listen to people and, and they'll tell you, we're not digging this. I think you went too far with this or, you know, this was kind of boring or you didn't really get into this. I do appreciate honesty. And the reason that you and Pat will be able to have a relationship and not only a relationship, but a relationship based in honesty is because at the end of the day, you guys are both honest and can talk your is issues out. Uh, I come from a line, and I'm sure you do too, of closed men you know yeah. just like the your dad i'm sure my dad my dad didn't talk to his brothers for uh, 15 years wow didn't talk over i'm sure it was a big enough issue but if you uh talk to my dad in heaven right now i'm sure he'd say it was something he probably could have handled over a couple beers even though my dad didn't drink 
Uh, back in the day, men just didn't talk. If you had a problem with somebody, you acted like they were dead for 20 years. <laughs> and what was the point of that? It, you know, I'll, And I'll tell you the fallout from stuff like that, if you want to keep it 100, is it's affected my relationships with my cousins. Because when they had their falling out, we were all eight or nine. And then when they kind of came back around 15, 18 years later, we were 25. And honestly, we were strangers. So you're trying to rekindle a relationship you kind of barely remember and and start it back over. You're like, I know this person. I love this person. They are my family. But it's like you don't have those memories to fall back on. Like, oh, remember when we were 12, we went to the park. And remember when we were 15 and you graduated, you fell. It's like you, you've lost all those memories. And it's because the, those men, in this case, it's women as well too, had an issue and shut down instead of talked about it. And instead of having a five minute uncomfortable conversation, they let almost two freaking decades pass and it affected family lineage. It affected family relationships forever. Yeah. Well, I I'll tell you, I it, it's every once in a while it happens and it opens my eyes uh, about me going in somewhere and just, <laughs> not being socially proper in in many ways and i still i still don't know i can't wait to have pat on because he's i was like you can you need to talk about this because like i said he didn't tell me till after the podcast and again the most brilliant way to do it because i would have screwed up the podcast it was a great it was a great great podcast and like i said brought a lot of people to us which is really cool and um it's uh, i can't wait to hear I, I i i'm interested to know what it was and it was multiple things it wasn't just one thing but I, I it's almost a thing for me about how did i not notice it it's embarrassing to me that i couldn't notice that somebody disliked me that much but that i respect him because if some i don't care if somebody doesn't like me and i don't like them or respect them i could i it, that doesn't bother me at all because we just don't mesh but this was a right. person i was like Holy cow. And we do have that thing as comics. And I've seen radio guys have this with other radio guys. Comics. Have, like, he, he had just started doing his comedy out on the road. And he didn't he didn't do the same didn't and we all as stand up comics come up a little differently. I came up a lot differently than most because I came up in the colleges and not so much the clubs. And it was a that's a weird um thing and I didn't get the same kind of practice or reps that a lot of other people do and with the impressions I moved up so quickly it was a it was a weird thing and I never got the challenge ch chance to develop myself which you need um that's you, very introspective what you're saying though yeah I mean there's I mean I I've always been the person who puts on the wig and on TV and you know, the makeup and becomes a, cl a clown you know I've got a I've got I'm hiding behind something is that the only time you put on a wig Frank it's uh top 10 times it's probably one or two <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as you know, yes. Uh, but that's, this was, this is one of those moments I learned so much. I got a lot out of it. Um, and I want to apply it. I want the people to know that are listening now. I'm listening to you. We're listening to you. Um, cause I'm I not think, listening to you guys. no, not you. Uh, I'm listening to you. Al has nothing to do with it. Um, <laughs> but I think, no, I think when we're at our best, I do think we're talking about the things that we're passionate about. And it's not like podcasts. There's something about podcasts when it's a jokey podcast. I think people are turned off by that when it's, um, when it's organic and real and the laughter comes from that and making fun of each other. And the, that's, I liken it to when I was on the NFL on Fox and Terry Bradshaw was there when those guys and Terry Bradshaw is still there, obviously when Terry Bradshaw and Howie and those guys had an organic laugh out of, it was usually from something went wrong. And then they, they make fun of each other and have fun with it. My bits were always, here's the funny part. It's on tape. You can't change anything if something isn't working and can't, you can't feel the room and go with it. Mm. And there's just a huge difference. The organic thing people generally love. They, they, they genuinely love it and they gravitate toward it. When it's Well, you, you think about, Frank, what you're saying to your point, man. If you look at YouTube, the things that get the most views when you look at like news bloopers – are when it's anchor totally loses it. Right. And it's because these people that are supposed to be, you know, square and buttoned up and deliver the news straight down the camera, when something happens where they cannot stop laughing, even when an SNL character breaks character and starts laughing, 
the reason that that's such a big deal is because it's that's human. That's a real human moment. Rather than being like, yeah. good one, Frank. Back to you on weather. Like, who talks like that? Right. Human moments. Who says that? Yeah. I mean, that's that's the whole thing with a, a lot of this uh, stuff on Instagram and stuff that I've been learning, too, um, is like your story on Instagram shouldn't be post-like. It should be more like behind the scenes and who you are. And I just got this full lesson from a couple different people and it, it was uh, pretty amazing. So we, let's, let's move on. Cause we do have a couple of topics we wanted to get to today. We're not going to get to even half of what we did. Cause uh, I went off on this McAfee rant and learned uh, a lot. Well, no, well, well we will definitely table the McAfee thing, but here's what I will do. Uh, I'll listen to both podcasts. And then when we have Pat on, I can be the objective third, uh, the, the strange man in the corner. That yeah, I mean, that's a great idea. I mean, it's I, I listen, I, I don't even want anybody on my side because I obviously it doesn't matter what somebody outside thinks. It's what he thinks. And that, right. that's to me is the main thing. But I, I do <laughs> a little piece of me is curious to, to hear how much of a jerk I sound like, because like I said, the some of the other guys, he said this, too. He goes, some of the other guys didn't think you're a jerk at all, but it just I struck him the wrong way. And that happens and i was just so glad that it ended up working out so it, it, it well it's 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 all on him he could have just taken that and and shoved that way down and then every time he saw you grit his teeth like hey frank you know but he manned up and he was I, like I was oh glad, i wasn't feeling I, yeah. that homie it's everything cool guy and thanks for not telling me until afterward because like i said i would have blown it so yeah that's this that's a fork in the road of your relationship honestly without being too dramatic about it yeah and i again and then he really gave me lessons i i gotta tell you before we move on there were parts in the podcast where he gave me these like like eyes of just stern eyes like i'm gonna kill you and i thought it was he was joking and then i after the podcast he told me no i was being real about that i was like Oh, I thought you were jokingly wanting to kill me. You really wanted to kill because I went into his podcast, and the first thing I said that thing you did on the draft, that thing where you walked on there, and uh, that was awful. I said something like that as a joke because it was brilliant, and then I went into yeah. how brilliant it was. But I was being the jerk that he was waiting for the jerk to come on, and he's like, "I was going to kill you at that." But I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah, I was totally joking because of how brilliant it was, and everybody's kissing your ass about how great it was because it was great. And I just wanted to be different. That was that was what it was. All right. So when we have him on, Pat McAfee, brilliant guy. I'm not just kissing ass. It's, he's he's really that good. So tell me, I saw a little thing about the Ahmed Ahmed story, but I don't know exactly what happened with it. Well, now I have two questions because our wonderful producer Toledo now put this bug in my ear. Now I'm not sure. He said that he he thinks that it might be staged, but let I'll just give you the story. This is, hold on, is Rich there? Rich, can you hear us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was? I, I, I'll set it up and then um uh we'll hear from Rich and then we'll get your opinions on both. Okay. Uh, re really quickly, uh, Middle Eastern comedian Ahmed Ahmed uh is an LA based comic. I'm pretty sure was on stage at the Off the Hook Comedy Club down in uh, Marco Island, Florida. I've performed there a lot of times. It's a seafood restaurant slash comedy club. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it, The only thing is they let you eat all the free seafood that you can that you'd like and it's like a really exclusive neighborhood so it's it's a good like free paid vacation and i don't mean to throw you off here it's a seafood slash comedy club they do that a ton in florida where it's a restaurant most of the time and yeah. then they just so happen to have an actual comedy club it's not like a like a single night it's like a real comedy club it's a real like thursday through sunday i believe two shows yeah. friday two shows saturday all right uh, so go on yeah. admit, admit. so Sorry. so he's on uh, obviously middle eastern comedian He's got some terrorist jokes, and I believe the direct quote was, ladies and gentlemen, you know what we need to do? We need to start our own terrorist organization right here tonight. Uh, a patron who I'm sure was not half in the bag, but full in the bag, took this to be, be a real terrorist plot and called the police, which showed up during his set. Uh, you know, and then I guess it ended the show. He had to, you know, take a statement and all this kind of stuff. So, uh... I wanted to ask you uh, now two things. One, you know, is this the new world that we live in where people like literally cannot take take a joke in a comedy club by a person holding a microphone? Because it's not like he overheard him say it at the bar. He was on a comedy stage listed as a comedian. This person paid money and got a ticket saying, here's your ticket to go see a comedian and still took that. And does that lead into... A certain amount of xenophobia where somebody in Florida is like, even Muslim comedians are terrorists. Because I'm assuming if Amy Schumer told that joke, it wouldn't have triggered that response. And then two, now that Toledo put that in my head, 
is this just uh, like a publicity stunt? So Toledo, well, I don't know if it was a mis- if it was a stunt by Ahmed Ahmed. I mean, the guy he's got like a New York accent. He's you know the only way that you would think that he's Middle Eastern is by his heritage and his name. So if you listen to his comedy, his comedy is great. But there's a nine one one call that actually came out about it too supposedly and i listened to a little bit of the call and it to me and i'm a skeptic anyway so maybe that's just my skepticism coming out to me it was just like all right people are taking this offensive you know vein that we're era that we're in right now and they're just taking it to extremes by doing something of of a comedian somebody that's obvious that they're of middle eastern descent and they're trying to make something out of nothing and as I listened to the 911 call again, I still couldn't get by my skepticism, even though it's entirely possible and probable that, that it's completely real. I guess my skepticism just won't let me believe that that's actually a thing. Well, I mean, I would say that you're a man of this world and that you're a man of entertainment and you've seen and heard it all literally. This is how you pay your bills. And so any, I would say that you more than most people will be an expert in stunts, the radio stunts and, you know, things to generate ears and eyeballs. So if this couldn't get past your BS detectors, I would say that your BS detector will be better than my next door neighbor who's a vet. Because she'll be like, oh, can you believe it? But as somebody that has probably organized and executed radio stunts and podcast stunts, you know, throughout your, your career, I would think that your BS meter is more calibrated than most. Yeah, you're probably right on that. And maybe that's part of just being affected that way that I am so skeptical about everything. But it is also kind of a sad state that that something like that would be actually possibility nowadays that we've gotten to that point. I guess maybe my sorrow about the fact of that's the state of the world now, maybe that's where my BS meter went off. Well, Frank, how do you feel about both of those? You know, I, I got to be honest with you. I was so worried about getting Toledo's uh, audio in. I missed enough of the setup where <laughs> I, I don't know enough about it. I was going to try and lie my way through and have a great take on it. But uh, you know what? Just skip me for this part and, and pretend like I'm talking through Toledo then. Uh, because All I right. realized as Toledo was coming in, I realized I needed to put him into the output and... Um, I missed the main part of it, and I feel like an idiot. But I just want um, in, well, in in the interest of Pat honest. McAfee and being honest, I uh, well, I'm, gl- I'm glad this. you let's, had Toledo to talk youth, to. Let's have our listeners listen to it and 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 give us on a scale of one to ten where your BS meter is because I didn't listen to the audio; I just read it. So obviously, you don't get that context. Uh, I just read read what the guy said, but you know there is like uh, you, you know I've definitely uh, flown from one city to to the next. And had the radio on, this is years ago, and then heard a totally different radio station doing the same stunt as a morning zoo crew in Cincinnati would be doing the same as one in San Diego. So, so like, there are bits and ways that places get ears on them. And, you know, so, so maybe companies that do that make a lot of money doing that, selling bits. When when I was first in radio in, in Little Rock, one of the first times we had Frank on. We were, part, we were part of a uh, bit board is what it was called, and you would share ideas, which basically it's a way for larger market shows to kind of cherry pick from, from smarter up-and-coming small-town shows and get their big ideas and make them their own. It's, but and, then and what's the advantage to the smaller guy? The smaller, the smaller guys get interaction with the big shows. So the, it's a, supposed to be a sharing network where – the big shows share their their big ideas and things like that, so that the small town guys can say, "Hey, we're we're doing big things." But the reality is, is that the bigger players never give you anything that's worth a damn. Right, and the so, big and the sm- and the small time the smaller market people take more chances. Right, they they don't have the consultants on them telling them do this, don't do this. They what will happen is is the big shows will just take and steal the stuff from the little shows and pretend 100%. it's their own. Yeah. Yep. And that's and that what what the companies rely on in those in those cases is that the little guys not going to have a chance and then they're just going to be like, "Well, the big guys were doing this that's our actually our bit and they're going to brag that way and it's enough for them." Um although it could get them to move up in the industry cuz the like a 
a boss could say, well, we do know that was you. So we're going to we, we know you've been coming up yeah. with some great stuff. And now you have the chance to be the person who takes everybody else's stuff. Four to seven Kalamazoo. Small, yeah. But also because they're such a small station there, nobody's going to hear their voice. If they right. bitch about anything, nobody's going to hear it. Nobody's going to care. Right. But they have they are taking more chances and they could be younger and up and coming and learning. And uh, like I said, just it's all the chance taking, whereas you get into the big markets on the big stations, that's all, you know, research and demographics. And then you're just you're not doing your show anymore, especially if you're one of the in one of the biggest companies where you're just doing the streamlined show all the time. Oh, we had I mean, you guys had John on the show that I produced for John Holmberg. Talk to him sometime about his thoughts on consultants. And his first thought is, if you ever have a consultant enter your show or enter your studio, count the days until you're fired. Right. Wow. Because there, there's, there's no reason a consultant should be there, A, because they've never done the job, and then they're also trying to tell you how to do the job. So all it is is research, and it's guys that have ascended through failure, which is a lot of what radio execs are. You failed in this market. Well, they give you credit for learning in that market, not they don't discount it for the failure that you made in that market. It's a weird, weird thing when you get into the upper executive echelons in radio about people that think they know everything, but they can't produce results anywhere. And it's just a, it's a vibe kind of thing. John knows how to do things and people connect with him. And, but as soon as the ratings start to slip, somebody's going to come in and tell John that he's doing something wrong when he's been doing it right for 20 years. Yeah. It's, and that's truly, like you said, most of the consultants, if they're so, if they know exactly what they're doing, how come they aren't on a show all the time? How come that, they aren't? That's doing a fair it? question, Frank. <laughs> it's that's it, in in other worlds, you know, consultants. A lot of the time, a consultant to another business is so people, so the business doesn't have to pay a lot of the overhead they might normally pay to a full employee. Uh, right. They're not paying insurance. They're not paying. Uh, they're sharing uh, him. Yeah, they're they're taking time. But in the in the radio world, it's a weird thing where they come because I don't see. Are there TV consultants like that? I don't know if they, I'm sure. I don't know. I've never heard of one. Maybe it's because I'm not around the TV stuff enough. But the networks probably have their own staff of people that are consultants, and they wouldn't you know pull outside people because they don't want anybody to to know what they're doing. Radio seems so shared. Um, already, I I don't know. All right, well, Frank, I want to get to this last story. Of, you know, we're kind of running out of time, but we got so much to talk about, man. So I just want to get your opinion on this because there's so much to this, Doug. Uh, I read this the, this article that said that sixty percent of men in, in management uh, feel uncomfortable working with uh, women, especially in one-on-one situations. Um, uh, uh, with mentorship situations or social situations. So it's it's so sixty percent of men are becoming Mike Pence. Yes. Okay. They're the, hey, if my wife's not there, nah, player. Um. So like, uh, you know, I don't know. It will. I'll I'll start from where I'm coming from, and I'd like to get your opinion on this. Um. Me too is a thing. And it's a thing that needed to happen because for a long time, uh, you know, women were just treated terribly in the workplace, you know, not believed, ridiculed, sexually harassed, generally harassed, all the bad things wrapped up in one big gift. It was given to them every day. It sucked. Me Too now is such a nuanced situation it's difficult to even talk about it without worrying about stepping on anybody's toes. And because even you bring it up, the the idea that anybody could be me too, uh, not only obviously in situations like assault, that's one thing, but a lot of times it's how you make somebody feel. And you, you know, with, without there being a sexual element, when we talked earlier about you and Pat, yeah, you had no clue that you were making Pat feel like that. Right. And just imagine if this was a radio company and you guys were together and a year or two down the line, you're in your boss's office with Pat and Pat's going, Hey, 
every time you come on my show, you talk down to me. You do, and he and you're like, well, well, what? Now you replace that with her name is Patricia McAfee, and she says every time you come into my studio, I feel like you're staring at my chest, or I feel like you're making me uncomfortable. Now you're like, well, I'm, I'm married, and what the hell? And I'm sorry. And the scary thing is, both can be true. Right. You might not know you're doing this. I know you pretty damn well, and you would not sexually harass anyone. But the idea that somebody might feel any kind of way around you has to be plausible for any human being. I, I remember, let me break in here for a second. I remember when I had my show on TBS, and some women would come up to me and like even rub up against me. And I would just, I would just walk away. Like it was like we, like a, lots of body parts coming up, and, and like, I'm like I can't. I just, I, I, I didn't even say anything. I'd just be like, oh, so, you know, sorry, I must have bumped into you. But it was obvious that they were bumping into me, and right. like, come, you know, it was a position of power. And some, not all, but I would have this happen to me. I've had like that kind of moment. Like gay men will come right up to you, and I don't. I, this may have happened you may not but gay men will just come up and say how you, you know like at work not all gay men i shouldn't say it's not all gay men, but i've had it happen to me i'm like oh my gosh i think i, I I'm, and i'm kind of flattered at the same time like that's yeah. pretty, pretty cool but uh it's an interesting thing where i mean guys will go back and forth and it's the same thing where we don't we don't always compute everything that's going on the same way we do. I, I think physiologically we are different in, in some ways and maybe not all, but in, uh, in general terms, um, I, it's a, I, but I remember things like this happening in me. I remember like me going, geez, that, that woman was, she seemed very interested in me or very interested in the fact that this was my show at least. And I, I just, I get uncomfortable and I get weird and I just have to go away. I mean, some other guys might act on that and then it's something happens and then they could, maybe that, maybe I read it wrong. Maybe I totally read it wrong. Right. And, and, and I, well, uh, yeah, you can read it wrong because the human mating ritual, Frank is not a scantron test. It's nuance. That's it's a dance. That's what the whole thing is. Like that conversation they had in in Pulp Fiction about a foot massage, where he goes, "Would you ever give another man a foot massage?" And he goes, "Shut up." <laughs> it's because there are things that technically don't. Could I give you a foot massage? Yeah. Would I do it for the right money and the right website? Yes. <laughs> but it's like you know, if if wait a second, if, do I have any say in it? No, okay. to, just give me those toes. All right. It's like hey, your your funeral, buddy. Yeah, yeah. So it's like well, there every. I think everything in terms of the dating process is just like it's unsaid. It's it's kind of like, hey, do you want to uh, do, do you want to have a cup of coffee after work and sit on and 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 connect over some things? That could mean I would like to see you outside of work and possibly pursue a friendship slash relationship, that exact same sentence to a female colleague or male colleague, depending on your sexuality, could just mean, hey, um, I, you know, I don't want to talk to you about th this in the office, but I think our marketing strategy is way off on this. And I don't want to say in the office because there's a lot of ears. So can you meet me for coffee after work? That's the same sentence. And that same person can either say, sure, show up there looking dressed to the nines, ready to date Frank and potentially move forward with that. Or they can show up ready to have a business discussion with Frank. And again, both are right. And But if you pursue the romantic one, you could lose your livelihood. Once your name is attached to sexual harassment on freaking Google, you're done. Yeah. Because that's the first thing people look at. But at the same time, it's illegal not to not to interact, not to give equal opportunity to a woman. Like I, I looked at a little bit of that article too, right? And there's litigation that you can be you can ha you can be sued because if your right. guys are going off into their own pods or whatever, they're going off into their own groups, and then they're not including the women, and that then sucks. it becomes something different, and it's unfair. It is unfair, but at the same time. The, it's kind of like you said. There's two truths happening at the same time. There's two. There's two elements of truth. Like, 
I'm trying to be careful. I'm trying not to overstep my bounds. I'm trying to keep in my own lane, but uh, I have to interact with you at the same. It's very difficult. It's 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 a different dance, and sometimes people are yeah. worried that that they're good. They're and they're doing two different dances at the same time when they're really only trying to do one. It's just we're awkward. Human beings are awkward, especially when it comes to dating and romance. I mean, unless you're some really slick guy or girl, I mean it's going to be a little bit awkward. I mean, I listened to the story about how you and your wife met. It was fantastically beautiful and awkward. I mean, it's she asked for your her money back at your show. <laughs> and it's like, you, you know, it's that's how everything is. It's it, it it's a little bit awkward. It's a little bit weird. It's a little bit like, oh, when I first met your dad, I hated him. He's such a jerk. But then I took him on, you know, but I don't know. My dad used to sit on my mom's doorstep every day for like months and wait for her to come out they're divorced that's now. stalking they're, they're yeah it's stalking now and they're divorced so yeah, it was maybe, stalking then <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty but the stalking crazy. was considered cute though yeah it's it's super weird and i think that everybody's like i don't know how because obviously i come from uh a mom with a phd who had her own business I, I, I'm not making any bold statement by saying I support women in the workplace. Shut up, Al. I, you know, everybody's, of course, women are awesome. Uh, but I also understand because we always have a duality of thought on this show that like, if a guy's like, Hey, I have three freaking kids. And if I can err on the side of caution by not inviting, uh, Stacy to happy hour drinks, be, you know, because honestly, a lot of business takes place at the steakhouse yeah. takes place at the strip club takes place at happy hour takes place at a lot of these different places and it's not fair it's effed up but women are going to be excluded from that uh un unless there's some legislation put forward because men are going to err on the side of caution and err Wait on a second. How do, but how do you legislate it what do you what do you do to legislate how do you legislate to make because you people have to have some provision that says if there's any kind of outing in which three or more people at the office are invited, there there has to be a mandatory invite that goes out. I don't you, know how you would do that. You I'm think, just, but you, you think you're you could talking like a Rooney rule for the office place. <laughs> right. Yes, but I but you're saying that's like legislation, uh, like federal legislation. Not, I don't know about federal because I don't know if maybe or for an, government, maybe for government situations. Maybe if it's a government-run company, if it's not a private well, company, government is totally different. I think I think government gets its own rules. I think because it is government, because it's public. That that's a different thing versus a private company. To me, if you start now, the company could decide to have that rules, and they'd get backlash probably in that company. Um, and maybe some people wouldn't say it. I understand where you're coming from, but as soon as you start making rules and there's punishment to rules, how do you prove the rules are broken? Well, I, yeah, and how do you prove rules are broken? I mean, all this stuff, Frank, and this is the scary thing, brother, is it's super gray. Right. It's just it's, gray, it, and you don't know what to do. So a guy that I learned about, this was actually because he was on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he's a controversial fella. Um, do you know who Jordan Peterson is? I do. So Jordan Peterson talked about a lot of this stuff in the um, in the workplace. And he he just asked, like the way I look at it, some of the things he just asked questions. They say he's a, a, a flamethrower. I didn't see it in this particular situation. I actually thought he's it was just very, blunt more than anything. He's just yeah, very it's, direct with how he presents things. Yeah. And I don't see him as. Um, yeah, I, listen, uh, people can ha make their own decisions. But so he talked about sexual harassment in the worst pl workplace and somebody was uh, coming at him with questions. And he said, well, listen, where is the line for sexual harassment? Because what how do women dress in the uh, in the workplace? And this is what got him in trouble. And I'm just re repeating what he said here and, and talked about. And you can take, I, I, I told this, I, this is another conversation with, I had this person, uh, Sarah, and she said, that sounds all logical. I, I said, I know, but other people don't see it that way and you have to, whatever. So he, he says, why do women wear high heels? Do you know what high, the reason and he's a, he's a clinical psychologist and he's got a, a, a doctorate, I guess, and whatever. So you can look him up to see what his actual, um, status is. But high heels, the reason women wear high heels historically is it pushes the pelvis forward, shows the, the, your legs better. You're actually trying to look more attractive. Why do women wear 
um, lipstick because it's uh, arousal. It's it signifies arousal. So then somebody came out and said, "Well, you're saying it's okay to rape a woman." He said, "No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying realize that people do things to themselves to seem more attractive." all the time and there's a reason for that because attractive people get further in the world they've done studies on that too better looking people get better jobs they're able to move people are more pleasant to better looking people yes. than people who are not good looking uh you and i both know on the good looking scale what that's like i mean yes we just uh, we've been we golden key through life frank is what i uh, say about both of us so yeah we actually did something but there was but there is, but people are doing things to make themselves seem more attractive and then are upset when people find them attractive. And it's, there's a reality to that because you want to look good. You don't want somebody to act on it in certain ways. And that's totally uh, correct, I believe. But you put a situation where, hey, look how good I look and people are going to look. And, and see, Frank, I, I would even back up a little bit from what you just said because you said you're not going to act on it. I would argue that uh, most of our listeners at least themselves or have friends or family that met at work before apps and things like that but you know where you could meet somebody kind of out of your social circle you would if you work at state farm and there're 500 employees you're going to see one or two she might work in accounts receivable you might be in shipping or something you're like man that that uh that 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 uh, Mary is a knockout and I don't know what year this is taking place, apparently in the early fifties. <laughs> and if you approach her, it's like, Hey, you know, Hey, you work, you strike up a little small talk. Why do you strike up small talk? Because you guys have something in common. That's what right. how most men met their wives. They had something in common. So whether you're stuck, uh, you, you, you know, on, on, on the runway on a flight and you turn to the person next to you, be like, Oh, can you believe this? We're going to miss our connection. Now you guys are talking in this case. And in most cases, you're like, hey, I've been working here 10 years. Oh, you've been here 12? Were you here when old president was here? Yeah, I was. Wasn't that crazy? Now you guys are talking. Now you guys can go out on a date. You have something to talk about on your date. And that can progress to you guys getting married and having four kids. That's not some crazy harebrained scheme. I think that's how a lot of people met. So at the same time, if I strike up a conversation with you, uh, you've been here 12 years. I've been here 10. You remember that old president? I do. Let's go out for a cup of coffee. Hey, buddy. Hey, I'm here to work, not socialize. Right. That's the same situation, just reacted differently to by the person, whether it be the male or the female in that situation. So now either one of those two people on either end of that conversation can go to HR and be like, Frank made me feel uncomfortable. Al made me feel uncomfortable. Mary made me feel uncomfortable. Mary should know I'm a married man. How dare she do that? But it's, it's so nuanced. And we're going to have to try and figure out a way to do this without taking a person and taking their life apart because they misread a social cue. Well, I, this is another thing I talked about with uh, this uh, a friend of mine, Sarah, that who listens to the podcast, and she said um, she deals with guys all the time. And uh, I've seen this like guys in sales; they become the salesperson that they are at work in regular everyday life. They always, can't they, always be closing. Yeah, you can't turn it off, and that happens in. Uh, lots of industries that happens in the stock market. Uh, people survive a certain way and their whole life becomes, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's even okay, but guys interact with guys a certain way a lot of the time. And nobody says anything because we're just jerks at each other uh, and say things. I think about things I've said to other guys. I would never say to a woman. I, of course I, not. And, I and that, uh, and to me that's almost a way of again that, that you say stuff to your son that you don't say to Juliet I guarantee you to, yeah a hundred percent but isn't that now segregating them into different groups that I treat them differently but they it's, are different well okay okay that's a good point I mean but then we have to acknowledge that that people are different right that's where that's what we and have also to acknowledge. some groups of people are a burden on society. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could have done that without laughing. All right, man. Well, All right, I think so we uh, we'll we'll have to. I would I would just love to hear from people, especially our female listeners, uh, and maybe we can read some of the stuff that they send in because I I hope people realize that we're genuinely asking questions like, "What do you yeah. think, man?" 
I don't have the answers. You don't have the answers. We're not, we're not trying to say we have answers. We're trying to ask questions and see if we can work things out. Yeah, well, that's a great pitch for our show. We don't know anything. Just tell us. Come on, Frank. <laughs> sell, the, sell the show. Be our radio consultant. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we're going to take what you say and parrot <laughs> Toledo, it as I, our own. I, I, you can't see Toledo, but I saw Toledo, and I, I have him on a different screen, and he just went, no. <laughs> <laughs> no consultant. No consultant. Uh, the C word. The real C word. All right. So uh, at Al Jackson IG on Instagram, at Frank Caliendo, across the board from me and everything. Thanks to all the new people uh, who are coming on board uh, and listening to us. And we are, like I said earlier, listening to you. And uh, I think I, th I was I was real happy here. Uh, Al, I think we're uh, as, as I say each week we're learning we're 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 what 20 22 shows in something like that i don't even know how many are in something yeah but it, that's like four weeks on a radio show that's like a month on a radio show somewhere around there uh they do five by the way frank you sound like a white teacher going into an urban school i'm here to learn from you guys i'll teach you guys shakespeare and you teach me hip-hop you know what uh the frank caliendo story you taught me about the white savior this is uh, Green Book 2. There we go. <laughs> Electric. I don't know how they're going to do it. <laughs> I get in trouble somehow. I don't, I don't mean anything by it, but I was... At uh, the end of the movie, Toledo, it just ends with like some black kid, like Frank's getting in his car, and then some black kid takes like 10 steps and turns around and goes, hey, Mr. C, thanks, man. <laughs> and then, then Frank is like, I, I crossed over. Yeah. I know Jamal now. <laughs> That was the end of the podcast. Don't say anything. <laughs> I love you. <laughs>